Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And we can see how, how, how Jacob now jumps out of his skin when the females drop their first animals and they don't look like the mothers. And we could just picture how Jacob is so encouraged with his new genetics. He's got Jacobian genetics now. He's got Jacobian. And we can imagine, you know, he must have been famous. I mean, Jacob must have been really famous. People probably came from miles around and learned about how did you do that. And he's really got these brilliant ideas. And it looks like he's been thinking more about his discovery. And he goes and he says, now, wait a minute, i got another idea. Hey, you know, it takes the same amount of time. Actually, it takes more time for me to take care of weak, sickly animals than it does for me to take care of a strong animal. And since my time is limited, I don't want to uh, uh, have to, to spend my time on weak, sickly animals. I want only strong animals. So I know I'll extend my idea and I'll call out all the weak animals and only have all the strong animals by using my idea. And that's what he got in verse 30, 41 42. Came to pass when serve the stronger cattle did conceive, that he laid the rods before the eyes of the cattle in the gutter, they might conceive among the rods. Cattle were feeble. He put them out in, see? So he's convinced, he's absolutely convinced that what a female looks at during the mating process determines what the baby's going to look like. So remember, before he had set up, you know, the rods in the gutters. So that was a little easier for him because all he has to do is set them up and then he can go take a rest, you know, take a break a little bit from all this extraneous, strenuous peeling and setting and so forth. And now he, he puts, this is a huge amount of work now because now he's sitting himself there in the watering troughs. And now he's waiting for the strong animals to come. And when he sees a strong animal uh, come, strong female, you know, he quickly holds out the white rod, the white striped rods there, see, in front of her during the mating process. And then he puts it away and looks, well, who's coming now? Okay, put it out. No, don't put it out, you know. He's going through this. No, when he sees a weak animal come, he says, take that rod away. I don't want you to look at that, you know. And again, you know, everybody is waiting in a five-month gestation period. See, is this going to work? Is he going to end up with stronger animals? And it's astounding in verse 42. The feebler were Laban's, the stronger were Jacob's. It worked. Yeah, I mean, he must have been a celebrity, Jacob. You know, it's just amazing. No one can explain how it worked. It just worked. And the final results were in after the six years. In verse 43, the man increased exceedingly and had much cattle, and, and he probably sold that cattle and bought maidservants and medservants and camels and asses, and it, just, it was just amazing. It says he, he increased greatly. In Hebrew, it means he bro broke forth. 
like um, it says in Proverbs, so shall thy, uh, the vats break forth with new wine. It's break forth. This is just a great transformation here. And this is what happened with Jacob. I mean, you got a picture now. It's Jacob. Before this happens, Jacob is poor. He's destitute. He has nothing. Laban has everything. Jacob has nothing. But at the beginning of this experiment, then at the end, it's all switched now. And so he's really a fulfillment of Job 8, 7. Though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end shall greatly increase. That's the word, greatly increase. So this has been a pattern for the patriarchs. You know, Abraham, Genesis 13, 2. Abraham was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. This has been the pattern for Isaac. Genesis 26, 13-14, the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great, for he had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, great store of servants, and Philistines envied him. And now, Jacob, at the end of our chapter, the man increased exceedingly, much cattle, so forth. This is the pattern for the Jewish people. The Jewish people, they're like Jacob, thinking that it's because of all their efforts they've gotten so much, but in reality, as with Jacob, as we're going to see, it's a blessing of God that causes all the gain. Now at this point, Jacob is thinking, boy, I did it. I really did it. He's thinking, I'm smarter than the average bear. I did it. I don't understand how it worked, but it worked. And you know, God cared too much for for Jacob to let Jacob get a swelled head over his Jacobian genetics, you know. So we read in the next chapter what really happened in verse 10 of chapter 31. It came to pass at the time that the cattle conceived, Jacob says, that I lifted up mine eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leaped upon the cattle were ring-straked, speckled, and grizzled. Where'd they come from? And then the angel of God spake unto me in a dream, saying, Jacob, I said, here am I, and he said, lift up now thine eyes and see all the rams which leap upon the cattle are ring-straked, speckled, and grizzled. For I've seen all that Laban doeth to thee. See, Jacob saw in a dream, he saw the real reason why the, kid, the, the goats and the sheep ha- had babies that were not like them. And it was because the males that they mated with were not like the females. There was nothing said about watering troughs in God's explanation of what happened and what Jacob saw. Nothing said about watering troughs. Nothing said about rods. God showed Jacob that the females had mated before they came to the watering troughs, and they were already pregnant from these these non-uniform males, animals, knowing where they came from. Where'd they come from? Well, clearly, God miraculously brought them into the scene. It was all uncontrolled breeding as far as Jacob was concerned. Jacob knew nothing about it. And during this, uh, what what Jacob was, was really controlled breeding by God, but anyway, there were no rods during that whole thing. The reality is, is that Jacob's experiments had nothing to do with why the babies were not uniform in color. The reality is that Jacob's idea that what a female looks at during the mating process determines what the offspring will be, that's false. That's wrong. The reality is Jacobian genetics is wrong. The reality is God made Jacob successful in spite of Jacob, not because of Jacob. And what's so amazing about this history is that Jacob was so confident that he was so he was so assured that the offspring were the result of his work but in reality he had nothing to do with it and how could that be how could that be that Jacob was so disconnected 
from reality as to not have any idea that the results had nothing to do with his efforts, but was all the supernatural work of God. I mean, that was pretty hard for Jacob to accept. I mean, you know, all this running around from water trough to water trough and keeping the certain images in the eyes of the breeding goats and females and coordinating it with the, with the mating, and so that had nothing to do with the babies that were born. That was really hard for Jacob. It was hard for Jacob to accept that. And, it, and he, you know, it's so hard, and God knew it was hard. So when God, when he explains how he found out, notice what he says five times in his explanation in, in Genesis 31.10. Since it came to pass at the time when the cattle conceived that I lifted up mine eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leaped upon the cattle were ringstreaked, speckled, and grizzled. The angel of God spake unto me in a dream and said, Jacob, and I said, Here am I. And he said, Lift up thine eyes and see all the rams. There that way. See, verse, five times, verse 10, I lifted up mine eyes. Verse 10, I saw in a dream. Verse 10, and behold. Verse 12, lift up now thine eyes. Verse 12, and see. Five times Jacob says that he had to open his eyes to see what really happened. Why was it so hard for Jacob to see that, that Jacob had nothing to do with it? Because Jacob's like us. He's got the I did it disease. And Jacob wanted to say, I did and it was hard for Jacob to say, God did. Those two words, those are fatal words. I did. Did I tell you the story about the fable of the toad and the swans? Do you remember that? No, okay. Yeah, I think I did, but maybe you forgot. It doesn't matter. The, the toad was bragging to the swans is a fable. This didn't really happen. Okay, so I just want to prepare you. The toad didn't. Anyway. The toad was bragging to the swans about how beautiful his world was underneath this muddy, you know, covering on this water. And he would tell them, that, you know, oh, it's so beautiful down there, you just got to come and see it. So the swans say, okay, we'll go. So the toad takes them under the water, and they go around down there, and they see the beautiful roots and all the beautiful underneath the water. And then they come up the top, and then the toad says, see, wasn't that great? And the, the swans say, yeah, that was really great. And the swans then said, well, would you like to see our world? Our world is really beautiful with valleys and streams and meadows and, and hills. Oh, it's beautiful. And the toad says, yes, I would like to do that, but I can't fly. And then they, they came up with a plan. And the plan was that the swans would hold uh, each of, they'd hold a branch, each of them in their, in their mouth, they'd hold a branch, and the toad would be in between, and he would hold on to the branch. And with that, they flew up in the air, and the toad looked around and flew over these beautiful valleys and the hillsides, and, and it was just it was so beautiful. And then they came to a little, little village there where a group of people were, and they looked up in amazement, and one person said, look at that. Look at how clever that is, that toad to be carried, holding on to a branch. I wonder who thought of that idea. And the toad replied, I did, and fell to his death. So <laughs> that's why the words I did are fatal. So when Jacob understood how the offspring came out to his favor, he no longer said I did, but he said God did. It's a life lesson for us. It's a life lesson for us to not go around saying I did, rather say God did. See, Jacob was wrong because Jacob was laying emphasis on the females. He thought they were the ones who were determining the offspring by what they saw, but God laid emphasis on the opposite, on the males, and showed them that they were the ones who were determining the offspring. And the wonderful part about this history is that God was blessing Jacob, even though Jacob thought he was manipulating the situation. 
And just think of how after Jacob's eyes were open and he realized that it was God who miraculously made breeding happen when it was totally out of Jacob's control. That was out of Jacob's control. He had no idea that was going on. And that was the reason why the offspring came out that way. See, what Jacob did with those rods was so much work. Because, you know, I can tell you from experience, animals don't breed from eight to five. (laughs) When breeding season comes, it's 24 hours. And the season for goats and for sheep is a few months. And so that means that Jacob is working like crazy, 24 hours a day for months. He's done this for six years. And now he's got to swallow the hard pill of saying it was all a waste of time. It was all a waste of time and work. And after Jacob realized that, can't you just imagine him sitting down and saying to himself, oh, man, all that work. I mean, all that holding up those rods in front of those faces of those females and, and me yelling, you know, look, goat, look. And then, you know, look, sheep, look. And then I yelled to the buck, breed. I yelled to the ram, breed. You know, all this look and breed. You know, and, and it was all futile. It was worthless. It, it all meant nothing because the females were already pregnant when they came to the watering troughs. And I was all worked up and I was all anxious over getting the females to look at the rods and the males to breed at the right time. I actually lost sleep over all this, worrying about it. And, and it was all useless because it had nothing to do with how the, the offspring came out. But I thought it did. And I worked so hard and I got so upset over it. It was for nothing. You know, how many times have we been in Jacob's shoes? How many times in our lives have we been wearing ourselves out, holding up useless rods, yelling, look, breed, got it now? How many times in our lives have we worn ourselves out to accomplish something and our efforts had nothing to do with it? And because it was all God who did it. So maybe maybe Jacob, you know, he looked back and he he could have said, I thought it was all about me. I thought, I, I mean, Really, I didn't have time to pray. I didn't pray. I didn't have time to pray because I had a lot of rod holding to do. You know? And now that I see, I should have prayed. I should have prayed and, and asked God for his help because, because he's the one who made it all happen. And it happened at breeding times that were out of my control. I mean, how many times have we allowed our work to get us all wrapped up in what we're doing and someone says, well, why don't we pray? And we say, pray? I'm too busy to pray. I've got rods to hold up. I, I got animals to look at and to get breed. A prayer would only take away valuable time. I need to hold up the rods. I, the rods, I got to get the animals, look and breed. Or we just give God the brush-off prayer. You know what the brush-off prayer is? The brush-off prayer is, dear Lord, please bless me in my work. That's the brush-off prayer. Amen. That's really brush-off because it's really saying, I, I got work on my mind. I don't have time to get distracted with prolonged prayer. Animals got to get bred. Watering troughs are maybe happening right now. There's things out of And so as we run out the door with, with rods in our hands and, 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 and we say to somebody, pray for me. See, when Jacob woke up from that night when God showed him what happened in that dream, Jacob woke up from more than just sleep. Jacob woke up to see how 20 years ago, when he left Bethel in the ladder, going to heaven that, was, that he saw, you know, Genesis 28, 12, he dreamed, and behold, the ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reached to heaven, behold, the angels of God sending, descending on it. When Jacob woke up from that dream, he remembered, I'm talking about the dream when he saw the bucks and the rams jumping on him, he remembered how he gave God the brush-off prayer 
in Genesis 28, 21. Jacob vowed a vow and said, here's his brush off prayer. If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, give me bread to eat, raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. See, 20 years ago, when Jacob had the dream and saw the ladder, and Jacob was in the middle of his adventure he had a lot on his mind. He had people to meet and things to do. He was going to start a new life in Haran, and he gave God the brush-off prayer of essentially saying, a ladder from heaven, from, from earth to heaven with God, and the top of the angels going up and down. Not bad, God. Pretty good. I'll tell you what. If you'll be with me, you give me food, you give me clothing, you give me safety, then you know what? You can be my God. God said, oh, wonderful. <laughs> well, how about that, God? I think that's a pretty good offer, God, don't you? But right now, I got a wife to kiss, I got a fortune to gain, I got rods to make, I got females, animals to put them in front of. So God, let's revisit this. Can we revisit this later after I build my family, okay? We got a deal, revisit later. Looking forward to it, God. Bye-bye, God. See, that's a brush-off prayer. And when Jacob looked back over the last six years of just exhausting himself with these rods and saw how much time he wasted, how much entertainment he wasted, he could have been a man of prayer. See, that's a hard realization for poor Jacob as he saw how he, he really wore himself out on vanity, sheer vanity. This was really Jacob's Ecclesiastes. This was Jacob's Ecclesiastes moment, moment here. When Jacob realized that he has just done what Solomon did when he said in Ecclesiastes 2, 3 through 11, I, Solomon says, I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine. Oh, what kind of wine is that? What was the year of that? Oh, mm, that's better than the wine from last night. I give myself unto wine, Solomon says. Yet acquainting my heart with wisdom and to lay hold on folly. Good times, let them roll. Till I might see what was good for the sons of men that they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. I made, I made me great works, Solomon says. Great works. I builded houses, I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. See, notice the word me. I builded me houses. I builded me vineyards. I, I made me gardens and vineyards all for himself. He was living for himself. I planted trees in them, all kinds of fruit. I made me pools of water to water the with the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. I also had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasures of king provinces. I get me singers, men singers and women singers, the lights of the sons of men, musical instruments, all sorts. So I was great, Solomon says, and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. This was the portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought. So now he's giving a survey. He's looking it all over. And on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity. A puff, a vapor that just goes up. All was vanity and vexation of spirit. It just did nothing more than make me anxious and disturb me inside. And there was no profit under the sun. That was a sad conclusion for a waste of life. And at the end of his life, it was really at the end of the chapter, I mean, at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, who had it all, enjoyed it all, did it all, he turned and he said, okay, now here's what I can tell you. Here's my advice. 
in Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. So now, chapter 30 ends with this statement of how great Jacob had become. And he had increased exceedingly, had much cattle, maidservants, menservants, camels, asses. And now sometimes we come into a great increase in life, as Jacob did. And God looked at Jacob with his great increase, and God said, there's a danger now for my boy Jacob. Jacob is in danger of seeing that Haran is a good place for him. Jacob is in danger of saying that he would like to make Haran his home and not return to Canaan. Things weren't this good in Canaan. Better. So God says, I'm going to have to make Haran turn a little sour, pretty sour, to keep my boy Canaan bound. And uh, Jacob, he, he'd already decided to return to Canaan six years ago, but six years ago was six years ago. And six years ago, Jacob had nothing in Haran, and it was easy for Jacob to say, I want to leave Haran. But six years later, when Jacob has become a very rich man in Haran, and now Jacob is in danger of saying, maybe Haran's not so bad. Why was I so down on Haran? Maybe Haran's okay. Maybe I should stay here. And God says, uh-oh, this is not good. We have a problem. And sometimes when we greatly increase, like Jacob, God looks at us and says, yeah, my child down there, he's in danger. My child's in danger of seeing the world's a good place to be in. My child's in danger of saying that he wants to make the world his home and not really go to heaven. My child's in danger of uh, the Lot's wife disease. What's the Lot's wife disease? Looking back with yearning at what God is about to destroy. Well, I'm going to have to make the world turn a little sour for my child to keep him heaven-bound. And when we're saved, we make our decision to go to heaven. But that was then, and now is now. And, and since then, things have changed, and now we're better off momentarily than we were then. And that's Jacob. He wasn't better off. Maybe the earth, we say, maybe the earth's not such a bad place. It's okay. God says, uh-oh, it's not good. Got a problem. So now the new problem comes into Jacob's life, and we see that in verse 1 here of chapter 31. He hears, he heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob had taken away all that was our father's, and that was our father's, that he gotten all this glory. It looks as though Jacob is off there kind of minding his own business. He's got a lot of business to mind with rods and all that stuff. And, and in the middle, there, he seems to overhear Laban's son's and, and they, they're portraying Jacob in this certain way, and they're, they're, they've repeated something twice. And, and it's this portrayal, it's like a repetition that's sort of gotten them into this conclusion. And it's very disturbing for Jacob to hear, and, and they just burn into his mind what they've said, that he took away what was Laban's. He heard them saying this twofold accusation. He heard them saying first that Jacob stole what belonged to their fathers, which, of course, they were in line to inherit. And second, that Jacob used what he had stolen to build up his increase. It appears that Laban's sons, they, they keep saying, our fathers, our fathers. Jacob has our fathers. He has stolen what was our fathers. And the fact was, a deal was a deal, but that didn't matter to the sons of Laban. In their reality, they really saw Jacob as a thief who had stolen what belonged to Laban. And the fact they repeat this twice, it's like Nazi Germany. It's like Nazi Germany all over again. You just keep saying that the Jews are this type of people, make the character stuff. People say, oh, yeah. 
And so he's faced with this, and this greatly disturbs him. It drives him crazy. What word? What word would you use to describe how Laban's sons felt towards Jacob? What word? Jealous. Jealous. And what's the, what's the sister word to jealous? Say it. Envy. Envy. That's exactly it. They looked at Jacob and all that he had acquired. They were envious. Envy. Has Jacob found that before in his life? Has he encountered envy before? Who? Who did he encounter that with? Esau. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Jewish Bible teacher Tom Cantor from Friendship with God, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, invites you to a Seder and Passover dinner at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Friday, April 29th at 6.30 p.m. Cost is $25 for D.Z. Aiken's food, fellowship, and a Passover Seder message from Tom Cantor. It's Friday, April 29th at 6.30 p.m. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or go online to creationsd.org, creationsd.org.